Boss! 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 Welcome in, everybody, to At The Buzzer. We're a Ralph Report podcast that covers Colorado athletics, if and when we can. Um, I'm not gonna yell going to yell at the beginning. This I'm week. going to... S- I'm going to sue the University of Colorado <laughs> for You're emotional damages. Um, I'm Jack. That's Sam. We're the two. We're the two hosts most of the time. Um, and we uh, we both got to watch Colorado play Minnesota on Saturday in the last of the non-conference games. Um, and and we're sitting here. Uh, the fan of a one and two football team, but I'm sure there's something we can build off of, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. One yard of offense in the first quarter, zero yards of offense oh in the second quarter. Actually, no, no, no. Minus one yards offense in the second quarter. So zero yards at halftime, 28 yards by the time Brendan Lewis is benched with 10 minutes left in the game. And the bus finish with 63 yards after some garbage time drives. Yeah, so... The so longest maybe, play of the game. Do you want to know the longest play of the game? It was, it, was it the Broussard eight-yard rush? It was not. Close, though. Um, Drew Carter to chase Penry for 12 yards. Do you want to know who the leading rusher was? I know who this answer is, but you go ahead and tell us. Drew Carter, nine yards. Um, so let me, before we go into the disgusting stats, let me just set the table. In case you didn't see it, first of all, you're so lucky. Never, never look at that game. Minnesota won 30 to nothing against Colorado. Minnesota was traveling. They were on the road, and they won 30 to nothing. Um, and Colorado was a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. The over-under was set at 48. And once again, they won 30 to nothing. As Sam just said, CU had 63 yards of offense in those 60 minutes. Um, the large, longest player is 12 yards. Drew Carter was a leading rusher. Uh, I have more disgusting stats. Do we want me just to go through the list? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> CU has not scored now for 20 drives. Um, that's a true fact. 107 minutes without a point. Yep. If you want to go back to the second half of the AM game for the last 90 minutes of football, Colorado's longest drive has been 29 yards. And <laughs> they have overall 94 yards in those 90 minutes of football. Still not triple digits. Um, Jarek Broussard touched the ball five times against Minnesota. Um, what are some other disgusting he was stats? He was, he was injured. He yeah, picked up a minor you know, injury in practice. Oh, here we go. Here's some more stats. Like, that's true. Um, if that was the only reason that CU didn't gain 100 yards of offense, that would be sad. Let's do some other stats. Minnesota ran the ball 51 times against Colorado. Colorado, <laughs> as a team, ran 45 plays, um, and that includes garbage time. So, and let me hold on. Let me finish this with a semi positive stat. With one minute left in the third quarter, despite all of that, the defense held Minnesota to 13 points with a minute left in the third quarter. 
And then Brendan Lewis fumbled it at midfield. Uh, and the defense, rightfully so, said enough is enough. We're out of here. <laughs> and in Minnesota scored some 17 points in the fourth quarter. Um, so that was, we have a broken. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. You know, you know this. If you've listened, Sam and I, we were students. Uh, I think we both were freshmen for that 2014 season. I believe CU won four games that year and two games next year, or I flip-flopped those years. Um, you know, we've been in the stands for some terrible, terrible times. As a freshman, the first game I saw – uh, on the screen with the first road game was against at UMass where CU needed a four touchdown, three touchdown <laughs> game from Nelson Spruce to win. Um, I saw Hawaii at home, which was a nail biter with a terrible Hawaii team. I saw Hawaii on the road, which was a loss against a terrible Hawaii team. There have been some really bad football games I've watched. I obviously watched 2011 and 2012. Those are some really, really bad teams. Um, I've never felt worse after a game than I did on Saturday. I felt terrible. I think what's going crazy is every single CU fan is in that same boat. I, so again, CU fandom for us is different than for the older people. I've never seen success other than one year. I've been beaten down for, I think, 14 or 15 years of Mike, my, my knowing and rooting for CU and just seeing them lose all the time. I'm numb to it at this point, but it still hurts. Like, I think that I'm, I think that I don't care about this team and I really, really don't. And yet it still happens. And I don't know why it happens, but this, I wanted to see something fun. I wanted to see some talented freshmen. Like, at least in 2013, we had Paul Richardson. At least in 2011, we had Rodney Stewart. But right now, we have nothing except for Nate Landman, it feels like. So, yeah, I guess I can – I've been thinking about this, obviously, a lot, as has everyone. I, I can tell you why I think it hurts. Why this one sucked the most for me. Um, you know <laughs> – there's only been one really good year, but we, I should say this: since 2016, this is CU's record is is what is it? Ten and two? No, ten and three in 2016. Ten and four. Ten and yeah, ten and four. Ten and four. Five and seven. Five and seven. Five and seven. 2017, 2018, 2019. Four and two last year. Four and three last year. Yeah. 2020. Um, four and it, two last year. I think I think this hurts more because I was. I was willing to accept that CU now is a five and seven team. They are a middle mediocre to bad Pac-12 team. They'll win some games. They'll lose some games. They have decent talent. Um, and hopefully you create that base, get some better talent in there, take the next incremental steps. Um, I think that's true on this team. I think this team is really talented still. I mean, you just mentioned Nate Landman. Um, it didn't show, but Jared Roussard, we know is really good. We know Brendan yep. Rice is good. We know Brady Russell's good. We know these are good players. I mean, the defense is stacked. Um, I think what made this hurt so bad is, is <laughs> I, who lives in the state of Colorado, am watching the highest paid state employees consistently fail for three hours. I watched 
failure from these people who are paid to not let these kids fail. And it's like, we know these guys are better than what you're showing. Minnesota is not the best team of all time. And I'm watching you fail. Like this is, it's just, it was just so sad to watch because before when we were bad, it's like, you know, you're watching Sefo try his heart out. Like you're watching these kids who didn't have the talent try really hard. And like, that's a little bit easier to stomach. These players can try really hard, but there's, there's nothing I can point to from the offensive staff that could be like, that'll work in the future. Like that effort will pay off in the future because there's, it has, like it's, it was so complete of a destruction of what I thought this team could be. I just felt so sad. It's like, Nate Lehman came back for his fifth year. He's an all, he's a legitimate all American. We have a legitimate all American on this football team. And there's an entire side of the ball that is letting him down that there is a, I'm not, and I, once again, I do not blame the players. Brendan Lewis has not looked good, but I think you could put anyone back there and they really wouldn't look good right now. It, it, it is a issue at the top that I'm getting very, upset by because these players deserve more because they are better than what we're seeing. And I think maybe that's what the next level of sadness was is we know they're better than what we're seeing. Is this an issue of execution or is it the game plan they're trying to execute? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Sam is, is referencing, uh, we're recording this on, on Monday. Carl Durrell, uh, had a press conference today. Um, literally minutes before we started recording and it's um it was also really sad to listen to <laughs> it's not yeah it really did seem like like carl durrell wasn't really throwing the players under the bus but it really sounded like they were going to stick with what they were doing offensively and that they just need to see better performances here on out and I don't think you can fully blame the coaches, fully blame the players for being shitty. Because if you get, again, 63 yards in a game, everything is broken. The offensive line is really not working right now. Lewis doesn't know how to throw. He he can't pull the trigger. They're not using him in ways to help his strengths. Like, they're not running any, like, read option plays at all. And even the receivers, when they do get open... They're either not getting the ball or they're fucking fumbling the ball. Like Brendan Lewis fumbled or Brendan Rice fumbled on his possession and Dimitri Stanley botched a punt. That punt was, that punt catch was truly horrendous. Um, and once again, we know Dimitri Stanley's good. We, we've, we've watched him as a player. Yeah. Like we know he's good. Something yeah. is broken. Um, something's broken. And it's, it's very upsetting watching this defense just play their goddamn hearts out. For so long and like, well, you know, and I, I guess what I keep going back to is like, I don't understand during practices. I feel like based off what we're seeing, it, sh- it would be a sack every single play. But like, how does the offense gain any yards against this defensive practice? I don't understand where this Carl Durrell thought this pr- combination of personnel and coaching would succeed on offense. Now, I'm going to disagree with you. Um, I don't blame the kids at all, and I, I, I won't. You can say they aren't executing well, but the way I look at it is um, 
they unfortunately are not paid a salary to be here. You, we can argue about what that means, but they're playing football for free right now, like for the place that I decided to go to school. So mm-hmm. I have way more in common with them. Um, you know, Carl Durrell is getting paid $4 million a year to, do, to, to help them play better. Um, and if they aren't playing better, I'm going to blame that guy instead of the guys who are doing it for free. It, that, that's basically yep. how I'm going to come down on this. Yeah. Um, except for, it's like even Carl Durrell, you obviously got 50% of that game, the game, correct. Like, Chris Wilson was a great hire. Shannon Turley was a great hire. Those are the, the defensive coordinator and the strength coach. And those are two Carl Durrell guys. So I can come down against him. I'm angry at Carl Durrell. But to me, it's pretty obvious that the, the main people to blame are the offensive coaching staff. I, I think that, yep. I mean, that's watching 60 minutes of that, how it's got to be there. It's got to be there. You make changes. And as you said, we just watched Carl Durrell press conference. Sam, what are those changes? Nothing. We're going to, f- we're no changes to the offensive staff, i.e., Darren Shiverini as offensive coordinator. No changes to play calling, i.e., Shiv still playing or still calling plays. And Durrell, he really just said that the only difference they're going to make, besides getting at these issues in practice, whatever that means, is he's going to show his face more in offensive meetings. Jack, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I don't quite know. Um, I Maybe if we give them enough stern looks, uh, see you will design a rollout play or a, a more maybe. runs. Uh, maybe Carl Durrell is such a feared presence in the football offices that him showing up just means that immediately performance goes up 80%. You know, I don't. It's hard to know unless we have a direct line into those those meetings. Um, what it isn't is a is a sure sign to fans like us who are freaking out about this offense. It, it's not a clear indication that things are changing. Um, it's not a don't worry. We saw the same thing you saw, and we're also worried. Sign. Uh, the whole press conference was disheartening. They said they were not overreacting to that game. This is now, again, 63 yards in one game, 94 yards in the last 90 minutes of football. Yep. And, oh, my God, you just made me so They mad. needed, like, one score to beat number five Texas A&M, and we wouldn't be having any conversation about this. I like – And they oh couldn't get anything done. This – you ready to talk about play calling because I should not be able to watch them play and be able to predict almost every single play call. I don't watch CU football. Like I don't watch tape. I I can't even imagine what the other team's defensive coordinator is doing. I said it to Jack early and I'm going to say it again is I think that you can do 30 minutes of game prep and you will have discovered every single wrinkle in the CU playbook. There is nothing hidden. There's nothing more. They're not warming up the play. The they're not warming up the playbook for later games. They've already shown everything. They have nothing. Yeah, I I hate I hate when people armchair coach. I I do the same thing during games, and that's probably why I hate it because I hear myself do it a lot. Of like, you know, you should have called this play because I'm not a professional. I don't know. This isn't what I do like for my whole career is coach plays. Um, 
However, it is this, it is so discouraging to me that like, I feel like this, our offense is the only offense in the country that you could legitimately pull. I'm not kidding. You could pull any of us, anyone in the stands on Monday could have gained one yard in the quarter of offense. Anyone. First quarter of the game, you said CU gained one yard. Any of us could have had that same salute. I guarantee you we could have done potentially four times better than that with at least four yards. And it's not like it's not, it's just insane to me that like, yes, we, I don't know how to design routes or anything, but I can gain more than one yard in a quarter of offense by just picking a random play call and saying, go do that. Like it's, crazy how bad it was on Saturday. It truly is mind-blowing how bad CU's offense was on Saturday to the point where when Darrell says we don't want to overreact, I'm wondering what is an overreaction? What is an overreaction? There is zero points scored. There's less than 100 yards gained. We did not march a football field length, period, in that game. What's an overreaction to that? We we got a a shout-out on uh, Full Cast After Dark saying Colorado gained 63 yards in the game. That's a that's a field goal drive. <laughs> Their entire game was a field goal drive. <sighs> and once again, Miami of Ohio scored 26 points against Minnesota. It is this is not a situation where CU is completely outmatched. Last time CU was blanked was in 2012, Stanford came to Boulder and won 52 to nothing. This is what I'm talking about. That game, for some reason, hurt less because we knew how. But like, CU knew that we had no talent that could beat this like, matchup with Stanford. Also, That's the thing that at we least, knew. at least when we played Oregon in like 2012 or whatever, Cliff Harris had the decency to run backwards on a punt and give us two points. At least That's we right. lost 45 to two. That's right. <laughs> but we, like, do you know? This is so bad. This is. So, so I went back. Yeah. And if you don't count that last drive because it was garbage time, I couldn't find a single game where CU had less yardage. They had like a like a 46-yard performance in 2004 or 2005, but that's the only occasion I found. And even then, they scored three points. I, uh, this It's a type of game when you watch that game that ruins the rest of the season for you. I am now less excited for watching nine more games of CU football because I don't understand where CU can improve enough to win a game. Like I, I, but after that game, and I know it's not going to happen. Well, I guess I don't know, but after that game, you're thinking it's got to be one in 11 because any person could stop. We won't score for the rest of the year. It was that bad. It's that bad period. Yes. Sorry. I just. Do you want to go back to the play calling thing? I want to go back to the play calling thing because Carl Durrell says that. Yeah. Okay. So Carl Durrell said that he's not going to get involved with play calling because let me find the quote. Actually, he says it will not affect the game day decisions because I have so much on my plate. What does that mean? He's overseeing and making sure it makes sense, making sure it is sound. And that is his whole entire role in the offense. Can I ask you, what is Carl Durrell doing on the sidelines if he's not calling plays on offense or defense? Um, for head coaches, I would assume he's in constant co- uh, communication with his coordinators. I would assume he's looking at, like, sub-patterns, substitution patterns. He's looking at, I don't know, 
overall game plan execution. Is that any busier than like a normal head coach who also calls plays? I, so I don't know the ins and outs of game day operations, but I know Chip Kelly calls plays. I'm pretty sure still for UCLA and they seem to be doing okay. Um, I mean, Lane Kiffin, obviously Mike Leach calls plays and has his entire head coaching career. Um, so I don't know. I have no idea what, why Darrell is so reticent to call plays. I will say um, the one time Carl Darrell was a college football offensive coordinator, it was truly terrible at Vanderbilt. That was not a good season. I don't necessarily know, think we want him calling plays. Um, but as a head coach at UCLA, his offenses were way better than this and way more fun than this. Let me look up who his offensive coordinator was then. Is it is is Darren Shiverini a highly paid body body uh, body shield right now? What do you mean by that? As long as Shiverini is running the offense, Darrell can't be blamed for it until oh, Shiverini's gone. That'd be that'd be interesting. Um, maybe publicly, but I have to imagine Rick George knows better than that if he really wanted to make that shift. I mean, Darrell has to know his job is safe. CU does not have the CU just does not have the money to fire him now. And no, nor should we, I yeah. think, fire him now. I don't I think that'd yeah. be way too early. Like because like I said, this defense looking at the Minnesota game was strung out the entire time and they did pretty well for yeah. 80% of that. Nate Lehman was everywhere. They stood up to that offensive line from Minnesota. I thought pretty well and that offensive line is going to be the best in the Big Ten. It's period. fucking huge. Yeah. Like they're massive. They're all like fifth or sixth year seniors. Daniel Falele is still there. I don't know how that happened. He's right. like 380 pounds, 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and they, so, and they continue. I mean, Naeem Rodman continues to get better along the defensive line. They have dudes everywhere. Guy Thomas is looking to be a real problem for other teams. In the fourth quarter, I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but Lewis was put out pulled out and Trevor Woods is put in. I don't know if that's injury or not. And I really liked what I saw in the freshman Trevor Woods. I, I want to make sure I put this out there. I love the defensive staff right now as it's constructed. I think Chris Wilson is a defensive coordinator. We knew he was probably solid. I'm loving what I'm seeing there. Brett Maxey at safety coach is really surprising me. What, what more can you say about Makai Blackman? That dude is everywhere. Dimitri Smart is coaching him up. Mark Smith at linebackers, inside linebackers seem to be doing okay. Quinn Perry's growing every week. He did pretty well against Minnesota, except for in the beginning. And Michaelowski, solid and cheap. That's a really good defensive staff. Yeah. I, I I think they did okay. So yeah. I don't think it's Darrell just, is firing the answer. However, to your I just, point. I, I'm not trying to say we should fire Darrell. It just doesn't make sense to me, like, logistically, that Darrell isn't comfortable as an offensive coordinator. Like he's not comfortable calling plays or running any offense. And yet we have an offensive coordinator who has proven to be quite bad. Like he's already been demoted once. He was quite bad last year. And I am not really sure why, other than Shiv is cheap, why there isn't a more experienced offensive coordinator on staff. If well, Darrell clearly has that shortcoming. Danny Langsdorf is a more uh experience offensive coordinator he was i will also say not that good when he was the offensive coordinator for nebraska yeah but he is there it's just it's just bad when i watch them play football and think oh i miss brian lindgren 
I we I literally said that in the stands today, like <laughs> on Saturday. It's like I didn't. I never thought I was going to miss Jay Johnson, offensive coordinator, that much. But holy God, do I miss Jay Johnson? Because I at least knew kind of what the plan was. Or at least Lindgren would run some quarterback runs. It's just, it's a really bad combination right now on offense. I don't know how much Carl Durrell injected his, his thinkings on offense with Coach Shiv. I don't know if they're, if, you know, there have been open receivers that Lewis has missed, but I will say this a million times, and I said it last week, we, we as fans already know what Lewis is. The coaches have to know what Lewis is. He's a young quarterback who is not the best passer automatically at Melissa High School, though he was pretty good at not throwing picks. He is a runner and a passer at quarterback. You can develop into, into a pretty good passer, but he is a runner and a passer at quarterback. Yeah, we know I that thought, as fans. Why do they not? Oh, God. I, I thought that he would be a better passer, and I thought that he would be able to make some quick decisions. But I think we also learned that lesson week one and week two at the very latest. I don't know why they haven't reconfigured the offense. I don't know how possible it is to completely reutilize the offense, but I, I think they should have known this at least. Like they should have seen this in practice. If we're just now seeing it in games and we can already tell, they should have known by now. I, I don't think Brendan Lewis as a quarterback is so bad that it's literally impossible to scheme around him, especially because, especially because in the first quarter against, I don't know, a top three defense in the country in Texas A&M, we goddamn marched down the field and scored a touchdown in like two minutes with a scheme that worked for Brendan Lewis, where he was doing end arounds. He was doing option plays. He was running. He had a quick hit to Brady Russell, the first play of the game against Texas A&M. It's like, we know that there's things that he can do well. We as fans, once again, we are not supposed to be good at this. We aren't good at this. And yet we know as fans, he cannot do, do not ask him to do multiple reads. Do not ask him to stand in the pocket for five seconds. Do not ask this offensive line to protect for five seconds. Ask him to make quick throws and run. That's his job. Why, why is that not the game plan for 60 minutes every single Saturday? Yeah, I think that he was missing those quick throws. But again, I think that's a confidence issue too. Um, I'm I'm a little jealous because I didn't even get to see that touchdown. I My stream was still late. So I have seen now two full games of CU football in which they haven't scored. Because <laughs> yep. I'm not at all. <sighs> it feels it great. Is- it's, I love it's, this team. This defense deserves better. I don't, I, we're both intensely frustrated that it appears that the response by this coaching staff and by the head coach to what was the most demoralizing game I hope to have ever seen in Folsom Field. I'm, we're both frustrated that the, the response appears to be, we'll tighten things up and go again next week. Right? The response appears to be basically, I'll get more involved. I'll make sure it's better. But in the end, yeah, we got to keep Not these really. guys where they are. Continuity will get better, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no. Even if that is your plan, you cannot present it like that to this fan base right now. No. it's You, you have to just – you can just be super vague and say, like, yep, we made big changes this week. Yep, we made big changes. Anything, anything 
So it sounds like things are not going to happen like that ever again. And you did. And that didn't happen. I think if Tad Boyle scored, his team scored like what, 25 points in a game against Minnesota, we would be freaking out a little bit. Well, but, uh, <laughs> that's a great example. See, so you went up and played Wyoming. I think that was 2014. Oh, that game sucked. They scored 33 points as a basketball team. And you know what Tap Boyle said? That will never happen again when I'm head coach. That will never happen again. And it hasn't because he did things differently. I think he pulled Booker as starting – or he moved Booker from um, shooting guard to point guard after that game, right? I'm pretty sure that was what happened. I only remember thinking Dominique Collier looks good. And was Larry Nance in that game? Or Yeah, uh, that, that was actually when Wyoming was kind of good. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. I know. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, I, I blocked out that memory. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it never happened again. I don't know. I'm just mad. Like, we can't, you cannot overreact to that game. You said we had one total yard in a quarter of off. And I mean, we ended with negative rushing yards, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. No, I said we had one yard of offense in the first quarter. And I think we finished the first half with seven yards of offense. That was it. I misspoke. And you know what the most successful drive was in the first like 20 minutes of the game was Jarek Broussard, eight yard run. And then the buffs converted a three yard run on sec on third and second or third and two. And then Lewis was sacked for minus 12 yards. And that was considered a successful drive up to that point because this offense is broken, broken, broken. I misspoke. Yeah. So here's the here's the split. So you ready? Yeah. Let's first see downs. Minnesota twenty two. Colorado six. Rushing yards. Minnesota fifty three rushes for two hundred seventy seven yards and four touchdowns. Yep. Colorado twenty one rushes for negative nineteen yards. Yep. T- Tanner Morgan was a pedestrian eleven for seventeen one sixty four. CU combined for twelve for twenty four for eighty two yards. And both teams kind of played clean. Four for 34 penalties on Minnesota, three for 30 penalties on Colorado. That is a that is a failure on the offensive line. That is a failure on the quarterback's coach. That's a failure on whoever schemed both of those things together. That is a everything messed up game. That's an everything messed up game on offense. That just is. I mean, defense, Minnesota's defensive line was in the backfield about 0.5 seconds after every pass. They yep. knew where to go on zone coverages because they knew presumably the three running uh, passing plays that we run. <laughs> and trying to move smooth out the pocket, I believe I counted three times. I, it, it's like I don't get what they're not. I because I know they have to be better at this than I am. I'm not a coach. They have to be better at this than I am. What I don't get why they. Someone explained to me why they didn't move them out of the pocket more often. Why did that not happen? Uh, do. Th- they might be worried about him getting hurt, but he's getting hit yeah, so much at, more yeah, in the pocket. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Did you like what you saw from Drew Carter? No, but like, you know, he wasn't the worst. Like, it, I don't like anyone, and this is not on the players. I need to keep saying that. 
I don't like what I see from Brendan Lewis or Drew Carter, but I'm also, I'm watching these games and I'm like, I don't know where you're going either, dude. Like, I don't know what you're, I don't know what they're playing for you either. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. I guess you just have to sprint out and try to get two yards on this rush again. My bad. Like, I don't get what their plan is for these dudes. I don't get why it's like, we know that both of you are young. Both of you are runners. Let's just do that. Let's just keep doing that. You roll out to the right, tight ends open. If the tight end's open, you throw it to him. If he's covered, then you run where the guy's covering him. It's like, uh, why not just do that 30 times? You might get stopped, but you won't go backwards like we did on most drives against Minnesota. I don't know. Most plays, even. <sighs> Look, yeah. Well, some, do you want to finish this by talking about the recruit that just committed out of nowhere <laughs> while we were recording this end. podcast? Uh, <laughs> well, this could be the very end. I'm kind of running out of energy. I, I'm not, but you're not. No. What else do you got? What else do you have? I already got I think, out all my. Well, feelings. let's just agree. Let's just both agree right now. Unless CU averages like 50 points a game for the next nine games. Yeah. CU needs to be looking for a new person calling plays next year. Is that correct? I think they should anyway. <laughs> it, it really was. That's to like me, this is a no return game. Yeah, it's like. Bucks fans saying that even if the Bucks win the finals, Budenholzer should be fired. <laughs> it's like I don't even. It's we're done. I don't care what happens after this. I'm done with. I'm done with Shiv, and he's not even. Okay, last thing. Have you? You obviously you you follow the recruiting trail, and I yes. don't. And I can tell you, from not even following that Shiv is not trying on the recruiting trail right now. I am looking. And we have one receiver in the class of 2022, and that's Shiv's position. And it is, let's see, let's see. Oh, fuck, I lost him because I have to scroll down. Jordan Tyson from Allen, Texas, a three-star recruit, not ranked by 247 Sports. I hope he's good, obviously. But but Sam. He is good. Sam, check out those other schools we beat out for Jordan Tyson. Oh, yeah? Hang on a second. Give me a second. He has zero other power five offers. I'll save you. Oh, fucking hell. Jordan Campbell, Tyson, to be Colorado fair, State, Incarnate Word, New Mexico. Yep. I, to be fair, Jordan Tyson has been turning heads and he's young for his age. That's He's not the worst reach. However, I think the point is, Shiverini used to be and is known or was known as a dynamite recruiter, right? Yeah. Brought in LaVisca, brought in Katie Nixon. Brought in Brennan Rice, brought in Levante Chenault. These are guys that had millions, hundreds of schools going after him, right? Millions of schools. Millions of schools. Going after LaVisca Chenault. Across the universe. (laughs) Um, These are guys that were known commodities coming into college, and they ended up being pretty good. Um, In the last two years, as as Shimmerini has taken on the full offensive coordinator role, Ty Robinson, Chase Penry, Jordan Tyson is the list of dudes that have, that have signed under him. And I actually really like Chase Penry, what we've seen so far yeah, of him. He looks good. Um, and Ty Robinson kind of looks apart, but that's two in-state kids that you presumably don't have to fight that hard to keep. And Jordan Tyson, you didn't fight any other Big 12 teams, Pac-12 teams, any other teams to, to get Jordan Tyson. And these might be good players, but there are a lot of other good players out there who you should be able to fight and beat other schools for. That's not happening. Nope. That's not happening with that position right now. So if he's not doing that, 
and he's doing whatever the hell we saw on, on Saturday, what's the point? I mean, it doesn't even look like his receivers are being well coached right now, to be honest. How would we know? How could we possibly he's, know? They get like two balls well, on yeah. at them because yep. Brent Lewis is running for his life every play. Uh, Zach, what are we doing? So, as you what know, I'm trying to be a semi optimistic <laughs> man. I think we both agree, like which we just mentioned, that we need a new play, uh, new play caller in 2022. Okay, there are some options. I've done a lot of research. I have some options. The easy call to make, which will never happen, is Clay Helm, newly re- newly released coach Clay Helm. How does that fit you as an offensive coordinator? You hear Colorado offensive coordinator Clay Helton, and you think. Well, I already want to jump off a bridge. <laughs> I don't see how this is going to help. Okay. So not him is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. How about uh, how about an old, an old NFL buddy of Carl Durrell's, Jim Caldwell? Is he even still coaching? He's retired. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. How about this dream offensive coordinator? Eric Bieniemy. Yep, there you go. How about this offensive coordinator promoting Darian Hagen and running the triple option? Well, it's never been tried before. No, I feel like we could do that. Uh, I feel like Lewis would be good. We got Jaylee Stacks. He'd be a really good fullback in that. There you go. George Way Part Two. Oh, yes. That sounds nice. No, we can't do that. It's got to be. Any, it's <laughs> God. It's just any other bad. offensive coordinators. I mean, yeah, there's some guys, and but all of this is is just for us to to continue to semi stay excited. But I think the end result of this podcast and this week is like we all needed to hear that change was coming, and that's not what we heard. Like that's not what we mm-hmm. heard. Why would you move the press conference up to Monday if you're not going to say shit? I don't know. Maybe out of an obligation to address the fan concerns, but that that's not what happened. The if the fans' concerns are so, if the concerns are so bad that you have to move your press conference up, you should probably make more changes. It, like, so here's a good example, right? CU is at Arizona State. They're thirteen point underdogs. Arizona State just looks take, like takes the Devils. So. Well, right. So Arizona State just looked like a super sloppy team against BYU. Sixteen penalties, lost that game. That should be a, this should the Pac-12 South is unconscionably bad right now. Unconscionably bad. There is no yeah. team that is unbeatable in the Pac-12 South. And yet, after the Minnesota game, I'm looking at the Arizona State line, the same as you. I'm just like, Steve's going to score zero points. Will he hold ASU to thirteen points? Probably not. Take the ASU side. <laughs> it's like that. That's what all of us are thinking right now. And it's like this is the year when if you if you score twenty points a game, I feel confident that CU would probably win eight games. Like the Pac-12 South is so bad. USC looks so well not with a new quarterback, but still, like USC is kind of maybe gettable at home, and you get Mustafa Johnson back for that game. Like ASU is so bad right now at being a football team. They have talent, but they million turnovers, million penalties. Arizona just lost to an FCS team at home, Northern Arizona. Yeah, Arizona Arizona's the, the only team on the schedule I'm comfortable. Like, I know we're going to beat that. 
beat them. It'll be like what, like ten to zero, but we'll beat them. Uh, I hope. UCLA just lost to Fresno State after being down for most of that game as well, given the crazy comeback. But still, like they aren't the crazy juggernaut that they looked at like against LSU either. You know, and Utah is decimated along the line. Just lost a three overtime game, pulled their quarterback. That should be another game where, like, CU maybe he's going for bowl eligibility with that game. Uh-oh, might be a fun season. But all of us are sitting here like, oh, my God, we're never going to score another point. <laughs> we're never scoring another point again. Yeah, I don't I don't think we'll ever beat Utah. We could, <laughs> we could be perfect, and it will never happen again. Um, yeah. Do you see any other wins on the schedule besides Arizona? I see Oregon State at home as possible, and I see at Cal as possible. But that's only because our biggest weakness is neutralized by Cal's biggest strength, which is a great defense. And it's like, if we're only going to score zero points, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Same with Washington, I guess. Yeah, Washington, I think, is also in the beatable range. I mean, every there's no there's not a game left on the schedule. If you asked me a week ago, there's no game left on the schedule that's like CU's not winning that game. I mean, USC for history reasons, but it, you know, it, but you watch the game on Saturday, and that team is CU's offense is completely ineffective, like fully ineffective, and that takes you out of every game. So you hope you beat Arizona, and that is a hope for me. That they are now, I guarantee you, Arizona's looking at the CU game being like, well, shit, at least you can win that one. You hope you beat Arizona. You hope you beat Oregon State. You hope you beat Cal. There's three games. And I mean, I don't know. Washington, kind of, maybe. But like, I don't know. CU could win five conference games this year if they could score double digit points. I just don't think that'll happen. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen unless. We go to the triple option. Yeah. Something like that. Just give me something to watch. I mean, you really do. He said, Darrell said this after the game, which gave me hope that he was going to make the large changes that we all expected. But you really do have to rip everything down to the studs and be and just go through every play and be like, that should not be here. Get rid of all these plays. <laughs> We're going to put like four tight ends in every game at the same time. We're going to have two running backs, no wide receivers, and just see what happens. Like, you have to do – it has to be totally different, and it, I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be. All right, what else you got? Well, like you mentioned, uh, somehow a, a recruit went to that <laughs> game against Minnesota and came away impressed enough to commit, Shaquan Bowser. Uh, just just pledge to the buffs. Now, of course, he's on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he's an outside linebacker from Arizona, which is Mike Olowski's area of expertise. Um, he's actually really fun. Number one, you'd oh, love to see nice. a guy named Bowser. You'd love to see a jersey with Bowser on the on the back. Um, number two, pass rush specialist, which is something that CU constantly needs more of. Um, he was a K, presumed to be a K-State commit, didn't end up happening, came to CU, came away impressed, and, and committed, which is great. Um, we love to see Shaquan Bowser. Trying to think. Um, I don't know. There's a few a few commits uh, on hand for the Minnesota game on both sides of the ball, a few other visitors, but no one that big. Hopefully no one decommits. Well, right. 
And that's what you have to really worry about now. And you have to show something. We are 50 days away from basketball season starting. <laughs> they also, the Pac-12 Network put up a infographic of McKinley Wright career stats because CU football was so bad. They had to show something. Is that true? Is that a real thing that it, happened? That happened. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, hey. Because uh, they were talking about Minnesota. And they're like, oh, well, another Minnesota kid who's now playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves, McKinley Wright, speaking of greatness in Boulder, and then they showed up his graphic, which they clearly had ready to show. That's boy howdy. Because somebody can move the ball in an offense. Yeah. Josh Watts leads the back 12 on punting average. So there you go. Yeah, 50 yards attempt. All right, Jack. I'm falling asleep. Yeah, I mean, you should be after that performance. It's just disheartening to hear that after what we saw on Saturday. It sounds like Arizona State's going to see much of the same offensive chemistry. Um, and that's not going to work. <laughs> that's just not going to work. No. Well, All right. I'm done. I'm done. Shiv is done. Boss! Boss!